And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are about to jump into our Bible study for the day, but before we do, we're going to have another clue for our quiz. We're getting a number of guesses coming through. Somebody guessed doves, and no, not doves. I mean, that would have been pretty cool if John the Baptist's clothes were made out of, made out of doves' feathers. It would. I mean, very fashion forward, I must say. Very stylish, and John the Baptist would wearing a feather dress because, you know, that's pretty in vogue. Tunic. He's a man. Whatever. But yeah. We know it's a dress. It's a tunic. It's an ancient dress. It's a tunic. <laughs> Whatever. Um, okay, okay, okay. What creature am I? This is clue number, let me see, one, two, three, four. Jesus said that the Pharisees would strain at a gnat and yet they would swallow this. All right. Pretty cryptic, I must so, say. So, uh, is this something that... Um, you can swallow. I mean, if you hacked it down to bite-sized chunks, sure. No. And I'm sure, I'm sure some people out there eat the flesh of this creature. I'm sure someone's given it a crack. Being humans and the way we give everything a crack at when it comes to eating, unfortunately. Are these a clean or an unclean animal? Ah, the Bible actually speaks about these specifically in Leviticus chapter eleven. Here comes an extra clue for you, uh-huh. and list them as being Don't unclean. Say the name. Unclean. You're going to be most disappointed when you find out that you're not allowed to eat dead versions of these. Mm, Or live versions, because that would just be weird. Uh, (laughs) Yes, please. Our next clue is getting a bit easier. (laughs) What on earth kind of Whoever eats something that is... It was like an unnecessary (laughs) add-on. Don't eat a dead version of this. Well, just don't eat any of it. Like... I was emphasising the point that there are a lot of people out there who just don't like eating dead tucker. I'm not into dead tucker. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, well, um, the next. We don't clue, stop to think about it, but it's just like it's, it's just dead. The next it's clue that I'm going to give dead. will be probably the easier one. So these all been a little bit cryptic, but just oh, yes. hang out for the next one. It's going to get very easy. And go or over, not, if you know the answer already, give us a call right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, one eight hundred Faith FM. Um, of course, you can go on Instagram uh, Faith FM Live and check out the clues. They're all up on our Insta story. And don't forget, if you are having trouble with uh, getting a strong signal where you are, we encourage everybody to listen online or via the TuneIn app. Sometimes people are like, oh, on my commute to wherever I'm going, I drive out of the signal range and I'm really enjoying it. The last the clues, of it. Yeah. That's because you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Don't listen to the radio on your radio. Listen to the radio on your phone and then you will never drive out of the signal. Faithfm.com.au or the TuneIn app. Get the free version, look for Faith FM Australia, make it one of your favourites. We tell our delayed listeners this every morning, but we need to be telling our live listeners Mm -hmm. because you guys are on the ball already. You have the live show, now you just need to be able to uh, get it wherever you go in the world. Yeah, radio has gone digital, so you might as well jump on board with that. If we can take the breakfast show to Ethiopia, then you can listen. You guys can listen online. You can listen online, absolutely. That's... And and f- especially for those that, who actually live in the Newcastle area who know the pain of listening to a radio on an actual radio because the signals here in Newcastle are just horrendous. Okay, so it depends where you are in Newcastle. If you're in Newcastle itself, then you get a great signal from the Cooks Hill transmitter. That's debatable. Once you, once you dr- start to drive out and the t- <laughs> it I'm, I drive all over Newcastle and it's not just our station. It's like any station is like you know up and down. Oh, it's yeah, well, the topography of Newcastle is just terrible for radio. It's very lumpy. It's very lumpy. Yep, yep. Lumpy topography, mm-hmm. which is not the best. Okay. Where were we up to? We were in Revelation chapter 4 and Uh, 5. I thought we'd be in Romans. Okay, Revelation chapter 4. 
Yeah. We were supposed no, to do... No, I think we were in Chapter we, 5. We were supposed... We were supposed to, to do... Okay, we were We were going to do this entire chapter. We were supposed to do this entire chapter. Both of these two chapters in one presentation last um, last week. Uh, mm. Yesterday, sorry. Whenever we were. Some, some, somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to do both. And we ran out of time. Because we're in Revelation and because Revelation is so much fun and so many good things right here. Okay, so let's summarize the, what we were looking at yesterday. Why don't you read for us Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and on the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. Okay, so here we have a scroll. It is a double-sided scroll. It has writing on the inside and the outside, and it has seven seals on it. Keep reading for us there, please, Mon. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. This scroll is held in the hand of God the Father. Okay. And there is a mighty angel here looking for someone to open it. And no one can be found who is worthy to open it. No one. Now, when God the Father is holding it in his hand, and you have you know the mightiest angel of heaven standing right there beside him, and no one can open it, then you can start to understand John's reaction in the next verse. Keep going, please. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Okay, so the um, the Bible says that somebody has uh, turned up, and who is it that is turned up who is worthy to open this book? The Lion of the Tribe of Judah. All right, we're going to come to that in just a moment, but there's something that we need to identify here first, and we'll remind ourselves from this from yesterday's Bible study, where in the ancient times, books did not have pages, they did not have leaves like they have today. Mm. Books were a scroll, a long piece of paper that was rolled up. That's the form that a book was. And so uh, books were only ever written on the one side. Okay. Except for, there was exceptions, and the exception was legal documents. Legal documents were written on both sides because you would write out the contract on one side and sign it on the other. And the most classic version of that were title deeds. So in ancient Israel, title deeds were written on one side, the deed of you know purchase and you know all the land and the boundaries and so forth would all be written down on one side, and then on the other side of that is where the signatures would go, and that way it would uh, you know you can't sort of cut the signatures off the bottom, put somebody else's there, anything like that. There's signatures on the back of it. It was a uh, a very secure form of document, and so when you read the language here, it is the language of a legal document. It is a language of title deeds. Okay. Sealed with seven seals. Now, we're going to come to those seven seals in just a moment, but what they're looking for is somebody who has the right to break the seals and look inside and find who is it that owns a certain piece of real estate. Okay. And then, you know, John is weeping a lot because, of course, nobody's found worthy, but then somebody turns up who is worthy. Who is it that turns up that is worthy? The real Lion King. Okay, the real Lion King, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And I love the language that comes through here because once you notice what happens is that John is told, he says, look, look at the lion. 
the lion of the tribe of Judah has turned up. Now, if somebody tells you to turn and look at something and they say, look, there's a lion over there, <laughs> what do you expect to see when you turn around? A lion. And what do you expect that, what kind of a, a, a reaction do you expect that to have in you? I'd be very excited to see a lion. Super excited. So, you, you, are you going on a safari when you go to Africa? Yes, I am. And I'm oh, really excited about seeing a lion. You really <laughs> want to see a lion? Yeah, I'm super excited. And I if somebody says, looking. look at the lion over there. Oh, you bet. I'm going to look. Your, your, your blood's going to just surge, right? Yeah, I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to whip you're out all get, my cameras. And you're going to get that instant shot of adrenaline uh-huh. and excitement. Why are you so excited to see? Why a lion? Why is a lion so exciting to see? I mean, hey, what about a sheep? You know, what if they said, oh, look, there's a sheep over there? Um, Would it have the same reaction? No. Why not? (laughs) I guess because they're so much more common and not exciting. uh, Lions are cool, man. They're huge. They're killers. They're rarer to see. Like, I I suppose if you had lions walking around everywhere, it wouldn't be nearly as phenomenal as seeing one. True, but even still, mm-hmm. when you see a lion, you are inspired by its power. Yeah, you know, it just oh, has. Yeah. It is just rippling muscles. I guess that the knowledge that you are pretty close to power. dying. Yeah, if that yeah, lion true. was like, do you know what? I want mon for lunch. It'd be very difficult for me to not persuade it <laughs> to eat me. <laughs> run very fast. Yeah. <laughs> nope, can't run that fast. <laughs> Run faster than somebody else. Yeah, it's definitely the awe of, of of its of its power. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, and I think you know you, this is the this is what you know the Bible is trying to describe here. Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, um, uh, it, it, his awe, his power, his strength. You know, this is everything that is being emphasized about Jesus Christ at this particular point. And John, you know, he's directed to look. You know, turn and look. There's the line of the tribe of Judah. He's turned up and he has the right to be able to open these seals and to see what it is that is written within this book. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right, Mon, so when he turns to see the lion, he is expecting to see the king of the beasts. What does he actually see? Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. Okay, let's stop there before we go any further. Is that a big contrast? He turns around, the angel's like, oh, look over there, the lion of the tribe of Judah has has turned up and he is the one who has the power to open the book. And he turns to see the lion. And what does he see? A lamb. A lamb. Uh, but that looks like it's been slaughtered, probably by a lion. Okay. I have to admit, like, if I was on safari and the f- safari leader was like, look at this lion, it was a lamb, I'd be like, do you know what? I want a refund. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's how disappointed I would be. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Do sir. you think that John was disappointed when he saw the lamb that was slain? I say he was both disappointed and utterly confused. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, this is a vision, right? Absolutely. And he's obviously, this is... He's being given information. Mm-hmm. He's probably like, hang on, have I had my animals wrong the whole time? <laughs> Maybe. Let me propose something else. Okay. Maybe, seeing as he wrote the Gospel of John, mm. before he wrote the book of Revelation, and in the Gospel of John he recorded how, in chapter 1, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Maybe he had a theological understanding of what was happening and he was just hit with the like, you know, the bang of you know, the impact of that contrast. The lion who is the lamb. 
Because you can imagine a lion being strong enough and powerful enough to just go up there to the throne, reef that scroll out of the father's hand and just tear it open and start reading it. Absolutely, yeah. But not a lamb. Not a lamb at all, no. But Jesus has the right to open that book because he is the lamb that was slain. He has the right to open it, to read it, and to proclaim its contents because he is the one who purchased that right, and he purchased it, he bought it, he paid for it in his own blood. He paid for it as the Lamb of God. And it's because Jesus died as the Lamb of God that he can be the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of the Beasts. It's very profound. Absolutely. It's a very profound vision. Oh, it is. It is. There's a massive lesson. There's a huge contrast right here. There is the story of redemption, our world being redeemed, being bought back by Jesus Christ, our world that we we gave it, it was given to us as human beings, and we handed it to Satan, and Satan's like, yes, it's mine. And then Jesus bought it back, paid for it with his own blood. It also tells us so much about God's character. He paid for it, absolutely. He paid for it. Jesus paid for it in a way that Satan could never, ever outbid him. Because Satan, even if he wanted to, which he never would, pay for it with his own blood, his blood's never going to be worth what God's blood is yeah. worth. His life is never worth what God's life is. The blood of the chiefs of sinners is not a drop on the blood of the perfect God. Absolutely. And it's a little bit like, you know, it's a little bit like when a friend of mine was going to an auction one time and he had uh, a collection of machines and there was very, very old machines, uh, threshing machines, but they were the only kind of machine that would actually do the work that he wanted them to do. They're all old horse-drawn machines and he used to run them behind a Fergie tractor. Um, and, uh, and, and so basically what he did was he bought up as many of these that he could. He had like, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 of them, as many of them as there were in the country. And every time one came up for sale, he would buy it because he needed the parts to be able to keep one operational. He needed to have an operational machine. And so he had to have, because you can't buy parts for it, you know, it's like 100 years old. Um, he had to have access to every single one that he could get his hands on. He turns up at this auction and uh, he's talking to his mate and his mate's like, oh, what are you at the auction for? He's like, I'm going to buy that machine over there. And uh, the mate's like, what do you mean you're going to buy the machine? It's an auction. Somebody else might buy it. He's like, no, I'm going to buy it. Mm. Yeah, that, I love that attitude. You know, I'm just going to buy it. It's a done deal. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't care what, I don't, and for him, he didn't care what somebody paid for it. He was there to buy it. Yeah. And that's what Jesus did when he came to this earth. He says, I'm here to buy this earth. I'm here to buy it back. Well, it's kind of expensive. Well, I don't care. I'm here to buy it. It doesn't matter how high the price goes. I'm here to buy it. And when Jesus came to this earth, he just put his hand up and bid a price that no one could bid against. He just bid his own life. It's like, okay, top that. If there is anybody here that can top that, go ahead. And of course, no one can. And that's why Jesus has the right to this earth. And, you know, I like to think that, uh, you know, that, that, that scroll that is written on that double-sided scroll, that legal document that you find right there, is not just a, uh, your average, it's just not, the, not just the title deeds to this world. It's also our adoption papers. Jesus bought not just the real estate. He bought the people who are on the real estate. He bought us back. He redeemed us back from slavery when he became the lamb that was slain. And to think that he was willing to pay whatever it took, like whatever the price, he was going to pay it. 
it, it should really, really indicate to us how much God loves us. Oh, absolutely. No question. Just beyond what we can even begin to imagine. And this is this is the picture that we are given as we go down through Revelation 4 and 5, this introduction to the prophecy of the seven seals. We're introduced to the throne room of God. We're introduced to the majesty and glory of God. We're introduced to why God created us in the first place. We are introduced to Jesus Christ. We are introduced to the price that he paid for our redemption and the fact that because he has paid for that, he has bought us with his own blood. We have been paid for. We have been redeemed. And this is why the Bible continues to go on a little bit further on. And uh, in verse 10, and it says, you know, the 24 elders are speaking and they, and, and they say, you know, have made, made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. So not only did he buy the people back, he bought the planet back. He owns it. It's his. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. And this, this, this is why you have two whole chapters of worship. The whole scene down through here is worship, you know, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, you know. And because uh, we understand what he's done, you want to worship. Oh, for sure. And so you've got, um, you know, when those beasts, verse, uh, those creatures in verse 9 give glory and honor and thanks to him that sits on the throne who lives forever and ever, and the 24 elders fall down and worship him that sits on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever and throw their thrones before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord. You know, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. This is a worship scene. Um, the Bible goes on in. Uh, um, why don't you read for us verse 7 and 8? 7 and 8 say, He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. This is the Lamb. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Keep going. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered and your blood was ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on earth. Okay, so there it is right there. The worship is just, you know, when when, when the lamb turns up, the lamb that was slain turns up and takes the book out of the hand of the Father, the whole throne room just breaks forth in worship. They are so thankful for what Jesus has done and for uh, the fact that he has redeemed us. Keep reading. Then I looked again and I saw the voice and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever and the living being said, "Amen." And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. Okay, I want you to I want you to picture this here for a moment, Mon. You ever been in one of those uh, concerts where you've got a choir mm-hmm. and you've got somebody who sings a solo? Yes, and it's just a magnificent solo piece. And then you let let's say you get. Um, you know, he's into it, and then and then another another four join in, and now you've got a quartet. Mm-hmm. 
and it just becomes that little bit more powerful and then suddenly the whole choir joins in. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the conductor turns to the audience and suddenly the whole audience joins in. I mean, it just is the most powerful, uplifting experience imaginable, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. And this is what is happening here. You know, the lamb steps forward. The lamb takes the book because the lamb was the one who gave his life. The lamb, you know, is the one who has redeemed the earth. He takes the book. The four living creatures break out in song. The 24 elders then join them. Then a million angels join in with that. And then the Bible says, and then every creature in the universe joins in. Imagine hearing that while you listen to this song with Mark Bishop. When I feel alone not really alone When I feel dismayed He says don't be afraid When the world around me changes Like the shifting sands His word still stands I'm in good hands When the nights are long He sees me through it hurts, he says, I've been there too. I like to think that I don't worry, but I sometimes do. Though he never fails to see me through, I know I'm in good hands when the night is long, when the valley's low. Oh, when I'm not 
was Mark Bishop with I'm In Your Hands here on Faith FM. And we have a answer for our quiz, Mon. Yes, we do. I'm very impressed. Andrada from South Australia has answered our quiz yeah, today. Yeah, Victoria. Oh, so, sorry, Victoria. Well, you know, <laughs> south of the border. <laughs> Somewhere south of here, Mexico. <laughs> yeah, somewhere down in Mexico. Uh, okay, so good on you, Andrada. The so, Queenslanders call us Mexicans. I wonder if they do. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because we're south of the border. Yeah. We call Victorians Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of works because, you know, Melbourne, Mexico, kind of, you know. But if Victoria is Mexico, mm-hmm. what's Tasmania? That's, that's, uh, that's Antarctica. It's <laughs> 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 penguin land. <laughs> we have penguins here. Well, they got penguins in Tasmania too. They do. Yeah, yeah, Penguins yeah. in lots of places. I wonder if they got penguins where I'm going. Yeah, they do actually. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, 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 they do. I feel like there's penguins everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's lots of them in, ta- in Antarctica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots and lots. Big ones. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, for those of you who are wondering what the answer to the quiz was, uh, actually, let me give the last clue before I tell you. All right. It is easier for this creature to pass through the eye of an eedle, needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom okay, so of God. Okay, so you've, you've got a critter that can go through the eye of a needle and can be swallowed. Yeah. <laughs> and whose hair was uh, what uh, John the Baptist's clothes are made out of. Which surprised me. And there were lots of them in a certain valley. Mm-hmm. There's and lots of them. Isn't it like the... the they wear jewellery because the, jewels were taken off some of them. Aren't, aren't these creatures the largest number of feral animals in Australia or something like that? Mm, and we export them to, we export them no, to Arabia? we do have a lot of them in Australia. Yeah, in the middle. They do wreak havoc. environmental havoc. The wild ones in the middle. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are still confused, we are talking about camels. Indeed we are. <laughs> Congratulations. Dromedaries. Yes, we're going to be sending out the prize to Andrade there in Victoria. And uh, well done on answering that one. It wasn't, well, oh, that's, that was a pretty hard one. It was, it was, it was, uh, you it was know, a common animal, but obs- yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Are you telling me there's camels here in Wall's End? Yes. Okay, so I have a wonderful couple uh, that I study the Bible with. G'day, John and Tamara. I'm sure they're listening. Um, and they live in Wall's End. And just down the end of the street, there's like, um, like a, a little a little sort of like an oval where people like play, you know, basketball and that kind of thing. Sorry, uh, baseball. And uh, and next to the oval, this guy, the back of his house is sort of like a larger piece of property. And on it, he's just got two camels running around. It's just the wildest thing. And, and an emu. Oh, two camels and an emu. Two camels and an emu just like blotting around this little blow land. You can like walk random. there from our studio. It's super random. They get hilarious. on well? Um, yeah, they seem to get on fine. The whole lot of them just hang out together. So yeah, it was really cool. I guess if I was an emu in the paddock like that, I'd make friends with camels. Not like you've got much choice there, is Yeah. It? I don't think they're very – they're not mean animals. They don't have a reputation of being bad-tempered, do they? I I think like any animal, maybe it varies from one to another. We were trying to figure out what noise it made because we were trying to summon the, the camel. We wanted it to come over to the fence so we could pat it. Maybe you need to go and knock on their door, bring them in here for an interview and tell us all about camels. <laughs> a lot of camels in the Bible, so we could, uh, we could make it a Bible-themed camel story. They're a very aesthetically pleasing animal. Okay. Like the pineapple, they they both of them make great decor items. Okay. Look, yeah, yeah. If you say so. <laughs> you look at me like Mon, I'm crazy. Mine says so. But I know what I'm talking about, Lyle. You've got a big old hump where, like, this should really be a hump. <laughs> but, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Whatever you say. Which <laughs> anyway. one is your favourite? Two humps or one humps? Dromedries th- or Bactrians? I think I like the one hump, the classic shape. Yeah. Why? What do you like? Two humps. Why? 
it's just like they're so randomly cool. It's like it's the weirdest thing. If one's good, two's better. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> two Why for not? the price of one. Two for the price of one. <laughs> it's like, but it, it's, it's, it's even like, well, how did that evolve? Yeah, exactly. How yeah, did two humps? Uh-huh, Seriously? Uh huh. I know. I think two humps are just. I think they're just cool. I think that. Um, Does that mean that the God two made hump- them that way for the cool factor? I thought it was so they could travel further because they store water in their hump or something. So they have two humps. They have fat. Like- they store fat in their. Hump. Oh, okay, man. My childhood has just been destroyed because I thought that's where they stashed their water. <laughs> <laughs> they do drink enormous amounts of water, and they do store that water, and they can go for incredibly long periods without water. Yeah. Deserts of the ship. I mean, ships of the desert. <laughs> deserts of the ship. <laughs> Having a great day this morning, Mon. Uh, thanks, guys. All right. We need to move on in our yes. Bible study and actually catch up to the day that we were supposed to be on. We, but Revelation chapter 5, you have to admit, it's amazing. that's just too good yeah. to just brush over. Agreed. All right. So let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. We'll get ourselves back in sync with the 20 million movement, 20 million people around the world all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. And now we are. A little bit out of sync there for a bit. Matthew chapter 4. Now we're up to date. Why don't you read for us verse 8 and 9. Matthew chapter 4 verse 8 and 9 says, Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Okay, so here's a very different picture of worship, isn't it? Very different. Well, there's not actually any worship taking place here, is there? No. There is a request for worship. Mm -hmm. Okay, so think about Jesus. Why do you think this would be tempting? I mean, hey, if somebody took me out to or took you, Mon, Let's let's say that some random person took you to a high place and says, you know, I give you all that, just worship me. Well, how would you respond? I'd be creeped out, to be honest. <laughs> you, would be, would you want me to worship you? What? <laughs> I think most of us would um, maybe seek some help for that person. I think I'm susceptible to a lot of bribery, but to be have someone ask you to worship them is, is I don't know, it's creepy. Yeah. It is, it is, mm-hmm. it's creepy. Would you have been tempted? Dull. No, yeah. Um, you know, and but that's the initial reaction that we all have is like, that's not a temptation. How is that a temptation? That's just creepy. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you've got to look at it from Jesus' perspective. Jesus had come to this earth. Why has he come to this earth? To save us. Absolutely, to redeem us, to buy us back, to buy this earth back. And this is where it ties into our last Bible study because, you know, Jesus bought this planet with his own blood. Mm-hmm. And so he's come to this earth. He wants the earth and everybody in it. Yep. And it's going to cost him an enormous amount is going to cost him his life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now put it in this perspective. Let's say that um, you want the whole planet and it's going to cost you your life to get it. And someone's just offering it to me? For free. It's like, just for free. With a little bit of kneeling and just, groveling? Just, 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 just kneel down and grovel for a second and I'll give it to you for free. Yeah, that's You tempting. don't have to die. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to live here um, you know, for any length of time. Just step straight into your role. And for someone who's grown up, in the, grown up in the convenience age, that is a huge temptation now. Yeah. Okay, so that suddenly becomes, you know, so, mm-hmm. so now the Satan is basically putting two options in front of Jesus. A horrific death versus just kneel down for a second and it's yours for free. That becomes powerful, doesn't it? Absolutely. Particularly from a human perspective, none of us, none of us want to experience, you know, um, pain and suffering and abuse and you know everything that Jesus had to suffer. 
And he knows exactly what it is that he's facing. He knows exactly what it is that he's suffering. And Satan up until this point has been tempting Jesus. Like, yeah, turn some, you know, if you're the son of God, you know, turn this, uh, this, th- these stones into bread. You know, if you're the son of God, make a display, you know, uh, reveal yourself to the world. He's taunting him. Yeah, that's yeah. right. This time it's like, there's no if you're the son of God. It's like, yeah, okay, I get the fact. You are the son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the son of God, you've come down here to redeem this planet. Uh, I'll tell you what, let's strike a deal. I'll give it to you for free. I mean, did Satan even really have the ability to hand over the planet? Like, let's say Jesus cracked and he worshipped Satan. Did Satan actually have the capacity to hand over the planet? Absolutely not. Yeah. So it's not really even his to give, is no. it? Yeah. And the reason it's not his to give is it's like this. When Adam and Eve first sinned in the Garden of Eden, they handed the planet to Satan. Mm-hmm. So now it belongs to him. But the moment they did so, Jesus turned up with the promise of redemption. And the promise of God is always so sure that it is counted as present reality. And the moment that he made a promise, he bought it back based on his promise. And, of course, he carried that promise out later on in his life when he died on Calvary. This is Fernando Ortega.
Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back. You are listening to Faith FM. We've come to that time of the show where it is time for question of the day. Today's a bit of a corker, I have to admit. Uh, It's been getting a little bit of controversial talking on our social medias. Uh, People are discussing this already, saying a couple of derogative remarks. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, people. (laughs) Okay, question, Lyle. You ready for this one? Yes. What are... Some of the differences and some similarities between Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists. So basically, compare J-Dubs to SDAs. This is an interesting one. In fact, I get asked this question on occasions, and I sort of have to do a bit of head-scratching every time I get asked the question because I find it challenging to find... It's actually easy to discuss the similarities between JWs and Adventists because that's a much shorter list. Okay. Um, And so... I don't have a lot of um, similarities that come to mind between the two religions, and maybe that there's somebody out there who knows these two religions, religions better than me that can you know text in with uh, with some comments. But on uh, similarities, yeah, similarities. Yeah. So similarities. I mean, they're both Christian, Protestant. No, Jehovah's Witnesses are Jehovah's Witnesses. They don't class themselves oh. as Christians. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's a that's that's a difference there to begin with, whereas Seventh Day Adventists very um, loudly proclaim themselves as Christians. It was almost a, probably a little bit unfair for me to uh, to sit here and give a one sided answer to this one. I'm just sort of thinking maybe we need to get a uh, a Jehovah's Witness, uh, um, you know, elder or uh, ministerial servant to come on the show and and put their side of the story as well. But his for what it's worth, here's the one sided version: is that um, okay? So some of the things that we have in common is that we both believe in the annihilation of the wicked. We do not believe in an eternal hellfire where God will punish um, sinners for the rest of eternity without ever ending. Amen. Um, we, I understand that we both believe that the dead are sleeping in the graves, uh, waiting for the resurrection. Uh, we believe in the importance of baptism. Um, there are some similarities. Now, the Jehovah's Witness tend to be conscientious or are conscientious objectors, uh, so they don't become involved in government. Whereas uh, historically, Adventists have been non-combatants in war, and so a, a an Adventist will become involved in in war and you know in the medical field or something like that, but not in a combatant role historically. Um, I'm told that um, Jehovah's Witnesses don't use alcohol. Uh, and that witnessing is obviously, in, you know, that's what we know them for. They're Jehovah's Witnesses. Their witnessing is, in, is important to both religions. I would go on to say that generally and broadly speaking, um, both religions promote, you know, holy, righteous living, being good neighbors, being, you know, um, upstanding uh, members of the community. And uh, that's always a positive thing. I think that's fairly general across, you know, all of Christianity and even all religions, but uh, I think that you know you meet your average JW. They come knock on your door. They are usually friendly. They are usually polite. Um, they're usually uh, you know they're, they're open for robust discussion if you would like to have that. And they want to give you something, but they never want to accept anything. I noticed that yeah, as well. This is true. This is true. So, what are some of the differences then? Okay, so there's well, there's, 
Where do I even start on that one? Basically, everything else is a difference. Is different. Okay. Um, and so um, you know, they don't vote. We vote. They deny the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity. Um, they don't take blood transfusions because the Bible says don't eat blood. Um, whereas as Adventists, we don't Encourage. eat unclean foods. Or blood, but we do take blood transfusions because yeah. we don't see. And we encourage donating blood as well. We encourage very much donating blood. Yes, absolutely. And uh, Mon is somebody who does that on regular occasions because her blood is gold. Mm-hmm. What, what type is it again? Oneg. Oneg. Come there get you go. it, baby. You know you want it. <laughs> get my oneg. Um, okay, so they have uh, fairly high standards. Um, I'm told for you know what you wear to church and that kind of thing. Now, Jehovah's Witness don't have Christmas, Halloween, birthdays. Uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day, they have no toasting at celebrations um, and so forth. They discard all items which might invite demons into your life. Not such a bad thing either. And complete avoidance of disfellowship people. So that's a little bit cult-like. And uh, there are many people who put forward an argument that uh, they fulfill, you know, identifying marks of a cult. but be that as it may, if if that is the case, they are very peaceable people and they are very polite. And I've always had good interactions with them, even though we have many, many areas on which we disagree. Of course, they worship on Sunday, we worship on Saturday. And, you know, we could go on and on. We believe that uh, Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the creator of the entire universe, um, sovereign Lord of, you know, everything that exists, uh, etc. Et and that's probably one of the, the, the biggest areas of disagreement. Is And, and this is why... Seventh-day Adventists are classed as Christians, whereas Jehovah's Witnesses are called Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, both both churches do door knocking. They do it as a requirement. Um, Adventists, it's not a requirement. And in my mind, um, I would argue that that is much more of a religion of works where you've got you know these requirements rather than recommendations. So just to backtrack for a second there, you said that um, we believe in Jesus as a, you know, the God and, and uh, as creator, and, and they don't? No, they believe that he was created... Jesus oh, was created created. as Michael the mm-hmm. Archangel. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's not as powerful or as... Yeah, it's, it, it actually gets me a little bit confused sometimes mm-hmm. uh, because it's almost like, have we got one God? Have we got two gods? Is Jesus God? Is he not God? Um, is he a created God? Or are there two... You know, and, and, and maybe this is where we actually probably need somebody to... Who, call up um, and clarify what's going on yeah, with their, their version of Jesus. We need our local yeah. friendly Jehovah's Witness to call in and, uh, and to clarify for us um, exactly how that all works. Thank you very much, Lyle. I appreciate you having a crack at that one. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question of the day, or maybe you're a J-Dub and you want to clear some things up for us, give us a call now, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. You can text your questions 0491 or through any of our social media. For now, this is Jaden Levick with Turn Your Eyes. Oh, soul, are you weary in trouble? No light in darkness you see there's a light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will go strange
with Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And as we come to the end of the show, just a quick shout out to my friend Daniel Collier, who uh, studied with Jehovah's Witnesses for a number of years and was able to help me with answering that question. Thanks, Daniel. Give some uh, clarification there. So We have a wonderful book to give away right now, Lyle. I always call them wonderful because they always are. Spirit, Baptism and Waiting would, on the why Lord. Why would we have anything in our anything prize less box than wonderful. that is less than wonderful? This is by Dennis Smith. And it's uh, this book is The Waiting on the God Teaching that this book presents uh, must be understood and experienced by all who will be ready for the final crisis and Christ's second coming. It's a very interesting book um, you know, about the importance of being baptized by the Holy Spirit and, and also the importance of you know, waiting, waiting on the Lord, waiting on His leading, waiting on His guidance, um, especially because you know, our society doesn't like to wait anymore. Very convenient-based society. So give us a call if you would like to get a copy of that book totally for free. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number, 1-800-324-843. We would like to remind you that's also the same number that you can call to donate um, for our Kenya Health mission trip. So kenyahealth.org is the website. We could also go to donate. Lyle and I will be heading over to Africa uh, very soon, like just under two months now. We'll be heading across um, working in medical clinics and, and preaching campaigns there in Ethiopia and Kenya. And we are raising funds 100% of the donations will be going towards medical supplies. Uh, so this is not you know to pay for Lyle and my flight or anything or any of the team. It's 100% is for medical supplies. We are halfway to our um, to our uh, goal. That's awesome, Praise which God. is amazing because yeah. we only announced it a week ago. So mm-hmm. thank you so much to those of you who have yeah. donated. It's been some very and, significant uh, donations. That come yes, through. praise the Lord for that. But please uh, do still um, be generous and give, especially coming up to Christmas. And speaking of Christmas, the last thing we want to tell you about before we sign off is about the Let Us Adore Him Christmas Celebration. So it's a free pr- Christmas program, and I want to stress it's absolutely free. You can come along. Um, it's going to be lots of singing, uh, you know, songs. It's like a concert as well as um, a special Christmas message presented by some guy called Pastor Lyle Southwell. Never heard of him. 
Now come along and meet, and meet, your, bre- meet your breakfast show hosts. Meet your breakfast show hosts. Well, meet one of them because I'll be in Tasmania. Because uh, this is on the 22nd of December. It's from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's at the Maitland SDA Church, which is 72 Brunswick Street, East Maitland. I have put a picture of that up on our social media, but if you want more details on the Christmas program, the Let Us Adore Him Christmas Celebration Program, give us a call here. You know our number. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. And of course, don't forget, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, you know the number call, number to call. Uh, call right here, 1-800-324-843, and we can make that happen for you. More than happy to uh, share with you, um, you know, one-on-one small group correspondence or online. Many different subjects Indeed. available to study. We need to uh, get Wayne Baum from Discovery Centre back on sometime soon to tell us about all the different courses that he has, including sorry, his no. latest and newest course on mental health that he is in the process of bringing out. Stay tuned. Back after this.